Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, I've got a very special guest. He has been the voice of ISL Season 2 in the bubble in Budapest. You've heard him on every CBS broadcast for every match so far, and uh, he has been uh, kind enough today to join us to preview the ISL finale. We've got Bernie Gunther. Bernie, how's it going, man? Hey, everything is great. Uh, pretty awesome to be here in the, the Budapest bubble. And uh, we've uh, been privileged to see five great weeks uh, of swimming, which is pretty phenomenal. First of all, I want to get a little uh, a little background on you. Um, do you have a swimming background at all? Did you come into this just totally blind, or, or have you have you done your swimming research? Have you been around swimming for for a lot of your life? Yeah, honestly, I, I really was lucky because swimming has been a passion. Uh, you know, I began swimming probably about the age age of eight years old. I swam for some Florida, Matt Kennedy. Uh, you know. Unfortunately, I was a four-time state runner-up. Uh, I joked that Robert Margalis actually beat me in the 100 breaststroke uh, my senior year, and he took the title in the 100 breaststroke, and I had to be runner-up. Went on to swim at the University of Florida for for Greg Troy, uh, you know, which uh, obviously was a great thing. And then, luckily, I got to to start calling some meets a couple years after college, and uh, you know, coached, which is great. And and obviously, uh, you know, swimming is a huge passion for me. Yeah. So, okay. So, <clears throat> so swimming's pretty embedded in your blood. You've, you've been around the swim family for a long time. So this is this, uh, you know, you know, this stuff front and back. If you swim for Greg Troy, you, you know, what's going on in the Cali condors at least. <laughs> yeah. And certainly I think that that gives me a, a great insight of, uh, I have an idea of uh, obviously day in and day out, how hard, uh, you know, a Caleb Dressel is training and, and what it must be like to, you know, to, to finally come down and why you see him break a world record. And who knows, maybe we can see the first man in history go under 20 seconds next week. I'm not saying for sure we're going to see it, but I know that he, he shaved for the first time, uh, you know, in the semifinal and he's going to get to come down for a couple of days. And sometimes magical things happen when that happens. That you said it best. Let's let's talk a little bit about that hundred IM. What did you see there uh, that really impressed you the most? I mean, because you know, start to finish, obviously, it's a great race. We all know Dressel's you know skills are so impressive. His starts, turns, and obviously, like you said, he's got that Greg Troy base where he can just keep going and going. Um, and so, so he you. That was an interest, interesting piece of insight. Uh, he shaved for the first time. Um, so what what did you see in that semifinal, especially in that 100 IM from Dressel that, that really impressed you the most? I mean, first of all, you know, talking about the fact that he broke the American record in the 100 freestyle just, you know, a handful of minutes before. I mean, that's pretty remarkable if you think about that. You know, and then just the the grit and the guts that he has, you know, you know that when he's turning first after the breaststroke, nobody's going to catch him. And at some point, you know, I know we, we talk about that. It's about the points and not about the time, but when he's built a full body length lead over the rest of the field and you can see the jackpot line creeping up on everybody, you know, it's going to be pretty special. And the fact that, uh, you know, 
he and his teammate, they stole all the points from the rest of the field, 37 points, all went to the Cali Condors. That, in fact, that was the turning point of the entire match. If you remember, the semifinal was really neck and neck, back and forth. And we thought, you know, did LA have a great chance? No, they need to have a couple things really go their way. But as soon as 37 points went to Cali, it was uh, all said and done for the rest of the field. And what has it been like just 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 to be calling uh, these jackpot times? I mean, how great has it made or, or what what impact has that had um, compared to maybe calling another swim meet um, for those jackpots? Well, I mean, I think that uh, for the most part, the, the biggest difference that I see from year one to year two is that typically you had a, a Dressel, a Manadu, you know, somebody that was going to win the skins, a Shoystrom that was going to be the one that was going to be the MVP. And the thing that I do like the most about the, the jackpot is, you know, right away we saw Lily King come in. She was the MVP of the match. It allowed her as a stroke specialist to really gain a lot of points from for her team. And obviously, Lily King still was a huge impact for the Cali Condors, but you got to see how important she was because of how fast she could swim. You know, Kylie Moss, uh, Lisa Braddon. That's a big reason why Toronto was competitive this season is because they took away so many points from the rest of the field in that particular event. So, I mean, I think that it's certainly it's been a game changer. It's something that obviously a lot of us had to get used to. The one thing that uh, they've gotten better with me as far as Omegan's Swiss timing over the last couple of matches is that for a while they had to wait till everything was official before they could particularly hit the button and boom, I could see exactly how many jackpot points were stolen. And it seems like they're pushing the button a little bit quicker so I could see exactly what the jackpot is because my goal is to try to let the, the viewers at home know how big of a jackpot it was as quick as possible uh, just because I think it's a, you know pertinent information. Yeah. The, so that that's an interesting topic. Let's run with that one. You know, when you're calling something, um, obviously you have your swimming fans and your people who are like, oh, we know all this. And I think, you know, people openly get frustrated with Rowdy, who who has been our commentator for years and years and years, um, because I think he plays to a more general audience. Right. And and the swim nerds are like, dude, we already know this. But but a lot of people don't. Right. Uh, a lot of more general viewers might not. Um, so for you personally, uh, you're, you're kind of a, new, a newer face, at least, at least for these swimming fans. Um, what do you, what do you think is pertinent? You know, you, like you said, those jackpot points, what are you trying to prioritize in terms of in getting information out to those viewers? I, mean, I think that it, it's a balance, right? Because every time they go to the block, you could mention this summer that summer was an Olympic champion. You know, I do try to figure out if there's a little story that we could tell a handful of times per match that maybe just something a swimming, you know, even one of the swim nerds at home doesn't know the story on this athlete or that athlete. So, you know, but again, I think it's a balance because you don't want the entire match to be filled with nuggets that nobody knows at home as well. Because again, like you said, some people may not know that Chad LaClo was the Olympic champion in 2012 and he took down Michael Phelps and again to that first time audience you're always just trying to find that balance to we obviously got to grow the sport and you got to give folks at home a reason to care about the athletes that they're seeing yeah then so you swam for Greg Troy 
I'm, I'm guessing you have a, a, a relationship with him somewhat. Um, have you talked to him about what he's doing now, especially, you know, with athletes like, like Caleb, like the others on the Cali condors, how he's managing them, um, compared to maybe when you swam with them, I'm guessing his philosophy might've changed at least a little bit. I mean, I think the greatest thing, uh, you know, and even Caleb Dressel will tell you about Troy is that he's a guy that's constantly evolving what he does. And I think that's one of the reasons why you saw Florida swimming grow and have success. Even from when I was first there, we didn't have any sprinters. We lost to Auburn every year to what's happened in the last decade where it seems like Florida's always beating Auburn. And, and why is that? Because obviously we got the Caleb Dressels, we got some of the sprint programs and that is obviously, uh, you know, you can grind, and obviously we're going to have the grinders that are going to win the 400 IMs and the 200 butterflies, but you also have to have the sprinters. And, you know, the, the fact that Greg Troy and the athlete city coach is it's unbelievable. You know, obviously there's great coaches in America and I'm not discounting any other ones, but I think Greg Troy, obviously from, from Dressel to Ryan Lochte to Elizabeth Beisel has to be up there at the very top of some of the best coaches we've had. And it's because he's willing to evolve, willing to change, willing to get better to, to make sure his athletes can succeed. Have you gotten to talk to him at all during this, during this bubble um, about kind of how he's moving his athletes through it at all? I haven't talked to Troy while I was here. And I mean, I think that that's uh, one of the interesting things is that I feel like, you know, especially with Tokyo 2021 on the horizon, it's been a little bit of a balance between the coaches at home trying to make sure that the athletes get, you know, the workout, the training that they need. But I'd also argue that uh, what an incredible five weeks of, of pure quality racing that they have. And I mean, honestly, to take a look at what Caleb Dressel's doing, is it not a practice in itself? The fact that uh, here he is, you know, 10 minutes later, he's going up and he's doing another quality 100 and then he's doing another quality 100 on the relay. And I mean, the guy just never stops, does he? It's, it, it's pretty crazy to watch, especially when he, his day one was like, okay, he looks pretty good. Like this is, these are fast times day two, right? He breaks three records. He has an incredible split on the yep. relay all in two hours. And so he gets, he just gets better as, as, as more racing happens, which, um, I mean, you know, I think we saw that in Michael Phelps and we've seen that in, in a lot of other really, really great athletes, um, the, you know, the top, the top of the top, but it is. And how much fun is it for swimming fans now that the fact that, uh, in a two hour time period, we get all these great races. We're not strung out. I mean, they're basically doing what we do in a week at the Olympic games in the course of two days. And then sometimes turn around and doing it two days again. And it's these great matchups. I mean, it's. It's got to be great for swimming fans, the fact that they can do an appointment television and do it for two hours. And uh, I think that even for some of the internationals, they're really starting to enjoy this part, too, that they get to do all this racing. I, I Certainly, that's been my favorite part about it, is that you just have this little condensed block of racing. You don't have to tune into a live stream where it's, you know, prelims, finals, and each fight, you know, one, there's one final every five to ten minutes or something like that. It's just race after race after race and uh you know but but to be fair uh in this season two the isl has really stepped up its production game um they've they've made a lot of changes from the production side of it that you know last year they had their racing model and it, it's yep. you know it blew fans away and this year you know they've they've done the uh the live 
the live places within the race. So they'll show who's in first at the hundred of a 200. Um, they'll show who's in last. Um, they've made a lot of really innovative production, uh, you know, changes to that model. What, what is, what's been your take on those and them evolving that model as the season's gone on? I mean, the first thing that people should be aware of is that we have more cameras and a short course meter meet here than you have at the Olympic Games. I mean, that just shows you that how committed ISL is from obviously the Roby cam that flies and you see, you know, from the air to the underwater cameras that we have. So they've got all the angles really covered from top to bottom. But, you know, the partnership, obviously, Graphic is the production company that does all those really great graphics. You see them do some stuff on Monday Night Football. So, you know, to me, this is really cutting edge stuff. And then obviously they partnered with Omega or Swiss Timing to do those you know, where the lane places is. And I even find myself as an announcer now looking down at the screen and it's like, so-and-so they're, they're in sixth right now. Cause you could tell right away exactly where they are. And, you know, I think that people at home still have to be reminded that this is only season two of ISL. So there are some things that people are going to love. There are some pe- things that people are not going to like, but I think that to a certain extent, they're just trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, how we can get better. There's just an enormous amount of data automation that happens between, you know, the graphics and Omega to get you these jackpot times in real time to get you where the the placing is. And, you know, I think that as you start to see that and the the points get tabulated, hopefully it's making it easier for you guys as viewers to to follow along at home as well. Yeah. And, and, yeah, you, you you mentioned it is only season two. How have you guys take it, processed feedback or or taken feedback and, and tried to uh, to move that through the production system as the season has gone on, if you have at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, at the end of the day, it's obviously a balance, right? You know, the the swimming fans certainly they want their times. And now you guys aren't getting them straight up, but at least you're getting that they're, you know, uh, you know, three one hundreds behind, eight one hundreds behind, fifteen one hundreds behind. So it's obviously a different way for the swimming faithful to see the times. But obviously, I think that helps you guys see the jackpot. You know, I think that is everything going to be perfect exactly how you watch the the Olympic Games or how you will watch uh, Omaha for the Olympic trials? No, but I don't think that they want the ISL to look like a, a typical swim meet. It's certainly not a typical swim meet because it is about the team. It's about the team points at the end of the day. And, you know, obviously it's about, we'd love to see world records. So it, it is to a certain extent about the times and the people are swimming fast. But again, if you think about these athletes, it's, uh, you know, if you look back to your high school dual meets that you did or your college dual meets, it really truly isn't about the time sometimes. And I, I think that's maybe hard for the hardcore swim fans to look at. But if you go and you ask yourself back in high school, when you were swimming against this team, you know, some days I was a breaststroker and I am her. And some days I would swim the hundred freestyle or the hundred backstroke just to mix it up. And was that a bad thing? Not necessarily. At the end of the day, as long as my team won that dual meet or we moved on, that was the key. And I think that's a little bit what you're seeing here. And that's one of the reasons why you hear us talk so much about it's not about the time, it's about the place. But I mean, I think it's unrealistic to see every week out that these athletes are going to break a world record, you know, back to back to back meets too, you know. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point that a lot of swim nerds like myself might not always realize. I think, you know, I never got to a level 
in swimming, I didn't swim in college. I was not a good swimmer. And so I never got to a place where it's like, okay, I just have to focus on my race strategy and trying to, trying to get that feel. I was always about times. And like you said, in a college dual meet, it's not about the time always it's trying about it's, it's, it's trying to win for your team and and swim a good race. And, uh, and that's what the ISL is about. And I think to me, at least once you kind of wrap your head around that, it's like, okay, this, then that, that makes sense, especially when we get the top time so we can see if it's a record. And then, uh, like you said, you, you get, Oh, well, they, they were three one hundreds. They were seven tenths behind so on and so forth. But I mean, if you think about LeBron James, he's not shooting and scoring 40 points every time he's out on the court. Some nights he's scoring 20 points, but if his team walks away with the win, that's key. I mean, you know, talking about the dual meets, Greg Troy certainly would be, you know, he would grind us for two hours before we would compete against Michigan. And it was a, a big battle with who could work out the hardest and still make sure their athletes didn't drown at the end of the day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we still had to race. He expected us to race and, and race toughness. But I mean, I think for these athletes, they've got to be loving all the racing that they get to do. Yeah. And especially it seems like this isn't necessarily a situation any, you know, I think the culture in swimming is a little different now to where, if you're an ISL, I, for the most part, I'm guessing your coach isn't grinding you for two hours before you're about to race. You know, it's, it's, there's a little more emphasis on that racing and on competing at a very, very high level and practicing at competing in a very high level. Um, it, it seems like the culture of ISL is kind of geared a little more towards that than <laughs> trying, yeah, I just don't trying to them. gut it out. <laughs> No, I hear you there. I think for sure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, which I think is a good thing. And like you said, I think it's, you know, we want to move toward that basketball model of it doesn't really matter individuals necessarily is, is it's more of the team. But I, I mean, I still think at the end of the day, you're going to see a Marco cock almost break the world record early in the season. And he, he scores 30 points for, for his team. And, you know, I think the problem there is that now, once we saw him get so close to the world record, every time he was there, we're like this, we're, we're on world record watch folks. This could be a world record It's a world record. So the pressure continues to mount. But I mean, I think the other part that's great about the ISL that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't talk about is how much it may have evolved careers, you know, um, there's some stars that we're really finding out that obviously, you know, some people may argue that they're short course stars versus long course stars, but they're certainly stars of the ISL. And I think for our sport now, the second that I was done at university of Florida, I was done. I started as a broadcaster, but if the ISL existed, may I have swam a year, two years, three years longer might've had, uh, you know, that might've been a possibility. And then how many people, you know, they're just getting going at 23 years old. They go to 27 years old. They start to be really good. I mean, look at Nicholas Santos at 40 years old. The guy is jacked and almost broke a world record. Yeah. You reminded I, me I needed to go to the gym a few more times. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's, you know, you're seeing these not typical Olympic athletes um, who are, who are, might be better at short course or might just, yeah, might not be a top two in the United States or, you know, getting that FINA A cut for another country, but they are still exceptional elite athletes who can still perform at a really high level. And yeah, ISL brings that out really well. 
Um, so having been around this model for a year, having been behind the scenes, seeing the production of it, um, you know, do you have a favorite part of it that, that, that so far, or do you have something that you're like, okay, if, if I was running the show, this is what I would change. Well, I mean, I think for me, the, the best part is just getting a chance to talk to these athletes and, and how much they enjoy the team competition. You know, as Americans, it's pretty easy for us because I swam high school. I swam at the University of Florida. So I swam in some of these dual meets and I can look back at my career and realize the dual meets were probably the, the best time of me swimming. I mean, I'm not discounting going to junior nationals or some of those trips that we had to Florida all-star meet, but I mean, the dual meets when you're swimming for your team really are the best. And I think that's one of the things that really stands out this year is the fact that we're in a building that has zero fans. But I think that even for you guys at home, don't you feel like there's a little bit of atmosphere at the end of the day? It doesn't oh, seem like yeah. it's a barren arena, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you can't tell. So that's a huge win. The fact that we have just as much atmosphere as we had last year in Naples and some of these places that were buzzing with no fans. And I think it's because of that team atmosphere. I mean, I think the biggest part that I, I wish just from my side that would happen a little bit more, just because I have kids that swim right now at Trinity Prep that are that are nine and seven, and they know about ISL because obviously I'm involved in it and Trinity Prep knows about ISL because I'm involved in it. But I, I really do wish that USA Swimming would do a better job of getting it out to the clubs to know that they can watch Ryan Murphy, they can watch Caleb Dressel. I mean, I think that this is, a, to me, this is a once in a generation opportunity for our sport. I don't know that if it didn't work, that it'll ever happen again during my lifetime. So I just feel like this is one where where we need to try to get as many eggs in the basket as possible. And I think that, uh, you know, an email blast out from USA Swimming to watch the finals this weekend or a tweet to watch the finals on CBS Sports Network may play a really big role because obviously us being on big CBS was a really big deal. Every show, for the most part, outside of a couple were on CBS Sports Network. I think the other ones are mainly because we had to shuffle our schedule. But swimming's on TV in the fall, right up with football. I mean, I don't know a bigger deal than that to be honest with you yeah i you you couldn't have said it better i think uh we've never seen our sport in this kind of a light and i think it is a big deal um it's super, and I mean, I think super the other cool one that i talked about is uh you know i've got uh, i talked about my kids at home you know they're watching and you know i, I told the story before but uh you know they watched lily king they're like they're breaststrokers just like i was in the my daughter natalie says i want to beat that lily king but you know, the story is, would she even know who Lily King was if it was an Olympic year? She probably wouldn't, to be honest with you. And that's, again, one of the big things that the ISL brings to the table is it allows these great superheroes of our sport to be on the TV screen all the time. I think it's a pretty big deal. Again, couldn't agree with you more. Um, following that basketball model, it's like, you know, the NBA has, a, has an NBA finals every single yep. year. Uh, and, and new stars arise from it every year. And, uh, why, why shouldn't, why shouldn't swimming be the same? Um, so let, let's take it behind the scenes. You know, you're on the production crew. And I think, I think again, we think of, we think of swimming commentators, we think of rowdy gains and, uh, you know, you're obviously in that, in that, uh, fold now, but I think, you know, your common fan thinks, dude, they walk in here 15 minutes before the production starts. You know, they look at their scripts. They're like, all right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you talk about swimming for two hours. Yeah. I, I think you do a pretty good job. And then, and then you leave. Um, 
break it break down on a race day you know uh for the semifinals for example you know on one day what kind of hours are you putting in and and what are you filling that time with well, I mean, I think it starts with probably a lot of people don't get to see what we get first. So we actually the night before get a start list before you guys even see it that the day of that gives us an idea of what the matches are. So every night and obviously it took twice as much time on the double header nights. We you know would meet down. We have a, a meeting room right here at the hotel. We'd get the start list out. We'd break down. You know, there's actually a great pre-show that doesn't air in America um, just because it's more for, you know, CBS has commercial breaks, but it's more for digital that goes to BBC that Jenny Drummond and uh, five-time Olympian Mark Foster hosts. So we break down the pre-show, who they're going to interview, who's going to be on set. And then after that's done, obviously, we talk about the the open and some of the storylines that Roddy and I want to talk to. And then we go race by race, picking out who the hero is, what we think the story is. And, you know, that takes, uh, you know, probably an hour, hourish time that we, we do beforehand. And then obviously the next day, we're almost always at the arena, you know, three to four hours ahead of time trying to, you know, get prepared. And before that, you know, working on notes, trying to make sure that we, we can break down what the race is, what the storylines is. That's what I tell you that, you know, sometimes we will pick a, an athlete to feature in the open. Like, uh, you know, we talked about Gorbenko the other day, cause you know, it dawned on me, like had, has Israel ever won a swimming Olympic medal, you know? And again, we're really lucky because uh, Mike Unger, who's, uh, you know, such a encyclopedia of knowledge, you know, he sometimes, uh, you know, we can dig and, and try to ask some questions and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, probably the, the biggest thing for, for me is, you know, try to dig up those nuggets, try to see something that may leave the, the swimming fans at home, you know, to, to give a little bit of a thought to what we have to say. And, you know, that's, uh, that's the storyline. And obviously we call the match, sometimes wait four hours, do it again on the double headers. And uh, <laughs> then we meet and we do it again the next day. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> those are full days. Um, certainly. And, uh, what, what, what is fun for you about getting, getting to, I mean, you get to shape the narratives. You get to, like you said, you get to pick those heroes and certainly not villains, but you get to pick, you know, who's going to be the favorite, uh, who do you think is interesting? What do you like most about that role? I mean, the good news is first, you, we do try to talk about some of the other swimmers, but at the end of the day, the swimmers do sometimes dictate the narrative. Uh, you know, if you have a, a Schoistrom in any event, she's likely to win it just the same as Caleb Dressel. But, you know, I think that it goes without saying that if you're always going up against Caleb Dressel, you may not win, but that really is a little bit of the storyline of ISL is that even though you may not get nine points for first place, if you could get seven points for a second or so on and so forth and move up a spot, it means a big deal. So we want to try to highlight as many of those athletes as possible because, you know, especially as a former swimmer, we realize the hours and the, the amount of grinding that they do to, to get things done. Um, <clears throat> so again, uh, t- take us behind the scenes. Um, you're with the production crew, you're with Rowdy, you're with Mark. Um, has I, and I'm not asking you to call anyone out, but has there, you know, 
like you said, they're, they're long hours and it's the, these races are back to back to back. Uh, do you have any, do you have any fun stories? You know, people make human errors. Someone might sleep in, sleep through their alarm and show up with two different shoes on. Uh, have, have there, have you gotten any, any fun stories, um, from this six week bubble so far with this production team? Uh, I mean, I don't think anything, anything crazy, uh, out of the line goes, but I mean, I think that the fun thing about our group is that, uh, you know, all of us are athletes, um, at the end of the day, which is good. We're all former swimmers. So there actually is like an 18 meter pool downstairs that, uh, you know, we do do a little bit of training in. I laugh because I know every time I work with Roddy, I got to make sure that I'm in shape because the dude is still fast. You know, the first time I worked with Roddy was 2005. And I was just out of college in Florida. So I was pretty good going up against Roddy and his, uh, you know, he, he always wants to swim before we do a broadcast and we've been working together for a while, but as the years went on, I got a lot slower and Roddy started to get uh, a whole lot faster. Of course, he's a master's world record holder. So I knew that I needed to be in shape before I came in the bubble because I knew if not, then, uh, Roddy and Mark were certainly going to, to, you know, to run circles around me in the pool. So that that's such a good point and uh like you said you've known rowdy for a long time i picked up on this in the last few years you know going to pro swims where rowdy is commentating everyone all the media all the all the coaches all the usa swimming officials anyone who swims between prelims and finals you know at the noon or one o'clock group they know rowdy's going to be leading the charge mike mike (laughs) unger might be there too uh but rowdy's leading the charge and he's he's gonna work you. Uh, he he's so fast, and he and he comes up with the sets, which is the great thing because yeah. that's the the story for me. I coached in my time. I don't usually come up with great sets, so at least he comes up with some sets that pushes me a little bit more. I might be just saying, "All right, twelve twenty fives, and we're done." <laughs> <laughs> exactly, which I think is a is a normal swammer set right you're like okay yep. i'm I'm gonna do a few laps i might sprint a few and then we're gonna be done like, Rowdy's... we got a hot tub here with bubbles let's go <laughs> it's 90 degrees exactly. 90, 90 degrees <laughs> and, and rowdy's gonna say no 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 we're, we're gonna do 12 100s we're gonna do four yep. on 120 four on 115 four on 110 and i want you to build build each 75 <laughs> yeah he's, he's exactly. great for that and so, so, uh, give me the scoop. What's Mark Foster like? I mean, he's, he looks tall and lean and very in shape still. Oh, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they left me. It's actually Rowdy and Mark swam the same events. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Mark Foster towers over you. He pushes off the wall and he only needs like three strokes in our 18 meter pool. And he's already to the other end. And, uh, He's fit as a fiddle too. So I'm, I'm certainly running the the third wheel on the swimming, even though I'm the youngest. So go figure there. (laughs) I mean, that's right. That's what you get when uh, you swim with, with two uh, Olympians, I guess. Olympians. That's what I tell my (laughs) wife. I was like, and and we do play ping pong. We built a a ping pong table. And again, that's the other side too, for me is that uh, out of the group, Mark Foster is probably the best ping pong player, but Roddy is ultra competitive in everything he does. He's number two. And, you know, that's what I say is, you know, if I have to lose a ping pong, even to Olympians and I'll, I'll lose a ping pong to the Olympians. So there you go. Oh, I'm jealous. Life I in the love, bubble. <laughs> I love ping pong. I wish, I wish there was a ping pong table at every pool because I would so much rather play an hour of ping pong than swim an hour in between sessions. <laughs> 
but that I sounds guess you get great. To do both, so uh, I guess it's the best of both worlds, right? That's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and so, uh, have you have you had any interesting conversations with swimmers there? You know, again, you didn't get to talk to Greg Troy, but have you talked to anyone? Have you gotten to know any of these athletes over the course of the five weeks that that you didn't know before that you're really was really interesting or surprised you? Um, at, at how well they're handling this. I mean, we, we do have a, a separate hotel that production's at compared to what the athletes are in just as the bubble, but we certainly uh, try to, to spend as much time, you know, with the athletes, the, the general managers, you know, Jason Lezak, uh, you know, Rob Woodhouse, Mel Marshall, uh, as it comes along. But I mean, you know, just uh, the, the interesting thing for them this year as athletes is because of, COVID-19, each team had to swim by themselves. Even if they were teammates back at home, they may be practice partners, but they're swimming with their own team. And I think that that certainly was a, a different opinion. I mean, I think that, you know, the story that we've told a couple of times about Kira Toussaint is uh, quite remarkable. The fact that, you know, she really thought that she was going home, uh, you know, after the four weeks, she wasn't staying to the semifinals. And now she finds herself as the world record holder and I think that there are some athletes that came in with their coaches at home and they said, maybe you could go for three, four weeks, but they just come in. They really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed the racing. And I think that even for the coaches that are watching back from America are probably saying, Hey, my athletes still getting done what they need to get done. Let's see how this thing transpires. And that's probably what sets us up for a brilliant final in, uh, in a couple of days. Yeah. Ed, so you, you just said it, the finals in just a couple short days. Um, give, give me your top three stories that you are excited. Who are the heroes that you're looking forward to seeing? I mean, you know, from, from what I've, I've been doing Zoom calls with the athletes, uh, a few of them so far. And, you know, from what I've heard from pretty much everyone, it's like they're, they're all in for this final. If you're in the final, you're shaved, tapered, ready to roll. Um, who are you looking forward to to seeing over the next couple of days? Well, I mean, first you take a look at what London did in the semifinal. I think that uh, you know it's something that Rowdy and Mark and I have talked about. I think that what Mel Marshall did was brilliant because I don't know whether they were completely rested, but they were certainly rested, shaved, ready to go. Adam Peaty broke the world record, and they really, to me, look like a team that certainly can contend. I think that a lot of people looked at the first group of regular season and they were like, I think that it's only energy standard in the Cali Condors that they have to worry about. But I think that London with what they did in the semifinal, you have to say, Hey, they're right back in. And I think a lot of people don't realize how close they were to energy standard a year ago. You know, um, if it wasn't for what happened in the skins, they would have been the ISL champions a year ago. That's how tight that meet was. The fact that they didn't get any athletes into the semifinals, that's what did it for them. And it was in the men's skins at the very end of the battle, and that's what sealed the deal for energy standards. So, I mean, the the, the matchup was unbelievably close. Um, you know, uh, Dave Marsh said that, I guess, Jack Roach has scored out the meet and again i don't know whether you can really score out isl just because of all the permutations that you have <laughs> seems like a lot there was, there was one point that was uh, the difference between cali and energy <laughs> standard and i think that uh you know the the 
biggest difference, the way it scored was that I think LA was within 30 or 40 points or something like that. But I mean, the moral of the story is that, you know, one to four, these guys are all right within range. And I mean, for whatever reason, you know, uh, it goes really down to that medley relay. I think that that's going to be a, a really critical turning point in the match. But, um, you know, the skins, I don't think are as big of a deal in this one as some of the other ones. I mean, certainly there are events where Cali or Energy or LA or London say, I don't want to do that event. But there's also events where you saw the Cali Condors have so much success. But now you look and you're saying, eh, I still like Lily King over three rounds of breaststroke. Don't get me wrong. But you add in Benedetta Palato, you add in Ali Atkinson. And, you know, Atkinson was right on her world record pace a week ago. It, I don't think it's a given that King wins the 100 breaststroke. So, I mean, I think that you, you look at some of these matchups and, you know, uh, Beryl Gastadello, is she going to take down Schroestrom in a few of these races? Uh, you know, there's just so many up and comers, so many variables. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think if Cali is going to win it, they need to have big jackpots. That's what we saw early in the season. Obviously, a 37-point jackpot for Caleb Dressel and that IM was a huge difference maker. But I start to wonder, and I think you guys have seen it at home, that the jackpots haven't been quite as big as the season progressed and you got better teams in there. And uh, it's kind of how it breaks down. I mean, I think that it's going to be unbelievably close when, when it's all said and done. And I, I really hope, uh, like last year, that it goes right down to the last couple of skins races because I think that for swimming fans, that uh, that's the drama we want. We Hopefully you guys will be on the edge of your seat you know, I think the key for fans at home, you know, I talked about this a, a little bit tonight is I think it's harder for us as Americans, right? If you are in Europe, you might be an energy standard fan. Certainly all of the UK has gotten behind London, but as Americans, we're a little bit torn. Do you want Cali? Do you want LA? It's time for you guys to pick a team this weekend, root for them just like you would for your team winning the Super Bowl. And let's see who comes out on top. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're going to, I'm going to finish up with, with just a little rapid fire, you know, give me, yep. give me two or three quick talking points, um, on each team and what they need to do in order, you know, for, for them to win. So we'll start with the condors. I think you would, you mentioned earlier, they need big jackpots. What, what's just a couple quick other things that they, that need to go right for them in order for them to seal the title. I think the other one that a lot of people haven't thought about is they think that it's a given that they're going to win the the women's medley relay because they've always done it. I just don't know that on paper that it, it breaks out to be that easy for them. So, you know, that's going to be a big question. And I think a lot of coaches tonight are asking them that question, like, do we rest our 50 backstroker? That That's probably, you know, does Kira Toussaint rest? She set the world record. Don't get me wrong, but is that what London needs to, to have a chance to do it? I mean, it's the same thing. Smoliga, can she do the 50 backstroke, win it, and then give you the type of effort that you need to actually win that relay? Because, you know, there was the world's best time, world record, however you want to break it down by energy standards. So that's going to be a, a pretty tough time to beat at the end of the day, what they put together. So, I mean, Caleb Dressel is going to be Caleb Dressel. He's going to do a lot of things for you. But the hard thing with Caleb Dressel right now is that I don't think that he's going to get a chance to swim freestyle and butterfly on the skin. So do you just load him up and let him rack in as many points as he possibly can? I mean, he almost scored 100 points his last time out, so obviously he can score him on a boatload for you. 
Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a really good point. And it's, it's kind of the fun thing, right? When you're racing at such a high level of this, uh, this much or this often is that you, there's, it's a tricky balance. It's not just train, 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 come down, swim really fast. Yep. It's like, you have to swim fast all the time. And sometimes that's going to produce world records. And sometimes it's going to be a couple tenths off. That's going to make the difference between first and second in that medley relay. Um, all right. So <clears throat> Next up, Energy Standard, what needs to go right for them to repeat as ISL League champs? I mean, I think the key for, for Energy Standard is they have the Shoystroms, they have the Flow Manadus that are going to obviously score a lot of points to them. But the key for Energy Standard is they really do have that, that depth. I mean, the 100 Butterfly is a great example. They have the fastest three times in the entire league all season long. So that's what starts to become a question is what race do you put choice from in? What race do you hold her back in? Do you hold her back for the relay? Uh, they, the, the big turning point for them in their match was when they jackpotted a relay, the biggest jackpot that we had seen. And from that point, it went from really tight between London Energy Standard to Energy having a big lead. And I think that out of everybody, I think James Gibson really does get the strategy extremely well. And certainly he's going to have his team ready to go. And, and the question is, what energy standard team are we going to see? I know that they're resting more. They're they're getting ready for this match. But it's not like we're, we're weeks and weeks and weeks away. We're only four days away from the team that we saw a couple days ago. So I'm interested to see how much four days of rest really makes for this team. Yeah. Then and, and like you it's interesting because I think – the energy standard, the depth is so deep, like you said, and we're kind of, we kind of just assume, or I do, it's like, they're just going to be good, but you know, they've had some of their key swimmers from last season really not show up in this ISL bubble. And then they've had some, some like Maddie Bannock, who is, is one of those top three flyers, um, just kind of yep. come out of nowhere. And so, but, but in the big picture, they didn't even miss a beat, right? They're just, they're, they're always dominant. So yeah, it's, it, that's going to be a good show. Uh, London roar. What do they need to finally get over the hump and then get the ISL victory? Well, I mean, I think you saw a little bit of a glimpse of it last week. I mean, when PD was on fire and his relay performance, certainly they are going to be one of the favorites to win the medley relay. If he's splitting in the, the 54s, uh, it's, it's tough not to say that he far and away has the, the best relay leg there. You know, and then now you you look at, you know, what they've done. They added Nakamura in the freestyle. Obviously, that was a major, major problem for them was 50 free. They, they don't have Kyle Chalmers. They don't have some of these great Australians that they had from a year ago. So they were certainly weaker in those events. But you saw Duncan Scott step up in a huge way. You know, we were talking about it tonight. Do you put Duncan Scott in the, the 400 IM at the end? I mean, it really depends on what the, the skins battle is, but he's a guy that certainly can do a lot to help out your team. James Sky is a guy that was a little bit quiet uh, the last couple of weeks, but if he steps up and has a big, big performance, that can really help him because they've. it seems like they're right on the verge of having this unbelievable team. Atkinson probably is, again, one of the biggest pickups that they've had this season because Again, I think everybody's saying Lily King is going to win every one of the breaststrokes, but it's just not a given now because you have Pilato and Atkinson in those races. And so if any of these races aren't big jackpots that Cali is used to getting, it might be a, a completely different scenario for them. 
Yeah. And, and like you said, London lost so many good Australians. And so I, it certainly preseason, everyone was kind of thinking like, Oh, like that's a huge hit. Is London even going to be able to, to get to the final? And then the first match we saw him just come out and destroy their competition. And it's like, Oh yeah, they, they again, they didn't yep. really miss a beat either. They got some good pickups in the off season and, and were able to bounce back in a really big way. Um, and so, like you said, it, it seems like they are contending right where they were last year. And then LA current, um, who was, was, you know, a, a convincing fourth last year. Um, they, they don't have that depth that these other teams do, but they do have the star power. Um, what needs to go right for them to kind of upset everyone and, and crown themselves ISL champs. Well, I mean, you think about, Beryl Gassadello, she's, uh, you know, almost a female Caleb Dressel with just what she brings to the table. The question is, how many races can she swim back to back? You know, she's added a, a lot to her repertoire. She added the Hunter Butterfly, and it seems like she's uh, been perfect in that so far. So she can score a lot of points. You know, Tom Shields is going to score a lot of points. Ryan Murphy is going to score a lot of points. The thing for L.A. that I think is so key is that they probably have the the lowest margin of error. You know, they have to have Gastadello get wins. They have to have Tom Shield get wins. They have to have Ryan Murphy perform well. They've got to win that relay to have backstroke skins at the end of the day. And then I think that they really have to hope uh, on the women's side that they don't, you know, go up and do breaststroke skins because, you know, I know that they threw in Beryl Gastadello and breaststroke hoping that she was going to pull out some magic, which, which we've seen her do certainly in the IM, but you know, she splits 31. But again, that's the hope is that you're lining yourself up and you're hoping at the end of the day that the skins race is a race that you're good at. And I think that the, that's going to be the hard thing for these guys when they pick the skins. And that's why that relay is going to be unbelievably important on Saturday is you want to have command of it or you want a team to pick a skins race that you like at the end of the day, too. I feel like that's the hard part about being the team that 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 picks it is that <laughs> you're not only considering what are we good at, you're considering, well, what are my main competitors bad at? And if I pick this, will other teams be able to benefit even more than I will? Yep. And so it's there's so much strategy that goes into it. But um, but that this, this has been a great preview. I've, I've enjoyed this discussion a lot. Bernie, any final thoughts uh, before we sign off and wait eagerly for this ISL final to start? Yeah, but I think the biggest thing is go tell a, a swimming fan, go tell a, fr a friend that's not a swimming fan, you know, let's tune into CBS Saturday and Sunday. Watch the ISL final. You're going to have an entire year before you get ISL action again. So hopefully we get as many people tuning in, tweeting, and showing that they're they're backing up and supporting the ISL. So hopefully we'll be, uh, you know, continue to, to grow the momentum on this thing and, and create more awareness. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.